0: Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me, Mackenzie Koss, marketer extraordinaire. Let's get into it.
1: Today, we have Chelsea Ennis, Creative Director of Studio ID Design, Creative Department for Industry Dive. Chelsea is a visual thinker and creator. Some highlighted clients that she has worked with include Target, Canon, Twitter, Square, and IBM. Welcome to the podcast, Chelsea. We're excited to have you on.
2: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah. Creative director. Can you talk a little bit about Studio ID and Industry Dive?
2: Industry Dive is kind of like our parent company. Um, we're really a business journalism company at heart. And about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, Industry Dive acquired the content studio from NewsGrid. And I was previously working at NewsGrid. Um, And together, we kind of joined forces and created Studio ID and lots of awesome people came together. Designers, creators, content strategists, account managers, all sorts of people from different backgrounds came together um, to form Studio ID, where we Really think of ourselves as kind of like a, I think of it as like a mini agency. You know, we, we can do, we're kind of jacks of all trades. We can do lots of different things from writing an article to creating visuals that live inside that article. So we're really helping our clients to kind of create an extension of their brand through content marketing. So whether that be creating infographics, creating animated videos, writing articles, or, you know, just supporting their social apps, we're kind of a full service operation there to, really help brands to showcase all their different, you know, different personalities.
0: As a creative director, can you talk a little bit about the day-to-day and and what your role entails?
2: It looks a little bit different each day. A lot of definitely filled with lots of meetings with different clients. We we operate across like all different verticals. You'll be able to see on our Industry Dive website, we have 23 websites um, that all focus in very different industries, hence hence the name Industry (laughs) Dive. So, definitely juggling lots of different types of clients. That's one of my favorite things about working for Industry Dive is that versatility of the amount of clients that we work with. Um, So it definitely varies day to day from from client to client, from project to project. But the biggest thing that um, I do day to day is I work really closely with our designers. Uh, My team is composed of a bunch of graphic designers. There's four in-house graphic designers. We also work with a lot of freelancers. Um, And then we also have um, a design operations manager. A project manager and um, an art director as well, and we're really, really collaborative. We have lots of creative reviews that are just internal meetings where we, you know, the designer will share their screen, take us through their their progress in the project, and just kind of collect feedback. Um, really collaborative work there, and so day to day we're doing a lot of those types of meetings. I usually have anywhere from one to four of those meetings in a day, and then also working really closely with our clients. A big thing that I advocate for at Studio ID is. Making sure that design is always really involved from the start, and you know, making sure that we have that open relationship with with our clients, so that you know they know that there are there are faces behind all these beautiful designs that are being created, and so yeah, so it's lots of lots of um, meetings with clients, meetings internally, I'm also working really closely with our internal team of content strategists to make sure that you know we're delivering work to their clients that. That fits their needs. You know, we're not just throwing out random product offerings based on um, what was originally sold. Like we're being really strategic um, in our approach and making sure that you know it's it's checking all the boxes of what our clients' goals are.
0: And you come from a design background, right?
2: Yes, I do come from a design background. I used to be a graphic designer myself. I studied graphic design and entrepreneurship in undergraduate. And um, so, yeah, so I've, I've been on the other side of it. I understand what it's like to be the receiver of, of creative feedback. Um, I've dabbled in a little bit of user experience design, graphic design, web design. So I've kind of gotten that full breadth of like different types of of design skills. And now I've kind of seen it all come together as I oversee, you know, contributors who are in those types of positions.
0: So when you say involving designers from the start, is that... Uh, right when there is a project kickoff, or right where there's so
2: yeah, the designers are really involved from the start in the sense that a client will come to us with with a concept. You know, they might have a campaign or a holiday or something that they want to create content around, and they they might say, "Hey, I think we want to create you know a video, or we want to create an infographic, or we want to create some illustrations," but they might not fully have that those ideas fleshed out. So the content strategist will typically loop in myself and I will bring in one of my designers, um, whoever's going to be working on that project to kind of just help to really paint the picture from the beginning so that they can have like a full, full understanding of exactly what the goals are of this project. I've always found that that's like, makes the most successful work is really, really allowing the creative, the creative, you know, designers to, really fully absorb and understand what, what we're trying to achieve, because I think without that, it's really challenging to be purposeful in your design. Um, So, so we always try to, you know, join that initial kickoff call with the clients so that, you know, we can hear from them what they're really looking to do um, and achieve.
0: I love that. I feel like you have a very developed sense of empathy to the design world. When you say creative feedback, oftentimes I, I make the analogy, like, you know, how, like, everybody should be a waiter or work in service at some point to realize like why we tip and why we're nice at a restaurant. (laughs) I feel the same way with design and creative feedback. I'm like, everybody should get some creative notes sometime. Um, just to learn what it's like and empathize a little bit more.
2: I agree with that.
0: Uh, I want to talk about scaling. You've sort of taken an interest in scaling your design process and the sort of differences between scaling design uh, or static design and video.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a few years ago, when I was still working a little bit more as a designer, I was the only designer on a team and I was actually the the first in-house designer to work on any sort of client-facing work. In the past, they were relying heavily on using freelancers. So the either content strategists or like account managers were working directly, being that middleman between the client and the um, freelance designer. And they were just, they were running into a lot of challenges that, you know, the, they weren't able to speak like the design language. So they were like, all right, let's let's hire someone in the design world. So I came in, I was working on executing a lot of the design work myself. Um, and as much as I loved doing that, I, I realized that there was like a really big opportunity for us to scale out this design business. Um, you know, there was so much need for us to create work for clients, um, but we didn't have the bandwidth to, to do it all ourselves. So we started hiring a lot of different freelancers of a lot of different types of backgrounds, lots of different skill sets. Um, and we were really able to build out this like massive portfolio of all different work across so many different industries. And um, that really allowed us to start selling more design offerings. So I you know, met with a lot of different people throughout the process, um, a lot of non-design team members um, that were able to really help me to think about how what, what, is, what, is, like, what is it going to take you know, for us to, first of all, like have buy-in from, from our CEO and make sure that they'll wanna hire more creative-minded people. Um, and it was challenging. It was really hard. it definitely definitely taught me quite a bit
0: I mean it's such a different skill set, you know, like being a leader and communicating effectively to people who don't live and breathe the work environment that you do. It's awesome. I want to hear about your growth process from artist to essentially leader or manager.
2: yeah, definitely. so I've always kind of had a nap. I'm definitely a people person like I've always wanted to. Um one day like manage a team. I always thought that's like what I was supposed to do one day. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think I always thought of myself as like a little bit more of like an individual creator. I was like, since I was a little kid, I was always like making things, building things. Um, so it was like so in my nature. And then I started gaining a little bit more exposure to working with people like freelancers, working with interns. Um, and it was like, I really like this. I like, you know sharing feedback, sharing advice, helping them grow. Like I I I felt success in seeing others grow. Um, And I do that like in my personal life, in my professional life. I just I enjoy that. Um, And so making that transition was definitely like it it was a smoother process than I would have thought, to be totally honest. Like it happened pretty organically. Um, It started off with really working with mostly freelancers that I didn't have, you know, they they some were leaning on me for advice. Some were just like, hey, here's my work. Like like share your feedback, share with the client, um, where's my paycheck, that kind of thing. Um, but then there were certain ones that really like stuck to me and we, we created a bond that was really special. And so it kind of gave me a little bit of exposure, but I didn't have that. I wasn't, I didn't have that like expectation that I needed to help them grow. So I felt like it was really good practice. Um, and then I had my first design hire who still works with me today at industry dive, which is awesome. Um, and we, you know, we were really able to grow out a lot more offerings together. And then, just like as more work started coming in our way, um, you know, I was able to kind of track, like, financially how much money we were bringing in, and really prove to the company, like, "Hey, this is something that we can continue to like really scale out and grow if we have more resources." Um, and I think anyone, once they see financial numbers, will will definitely believe in, in the potential success there. So that was kind of my, I remember one of my coworkers pointed out, she was like, track exactly, like track all the work that's coming in, track all the revenue, keep, keep track of that. Like that will help you to really prove a point. And that was like the biggest turning point. It sounds so simple, but it was actually like a major, major turning point um, that opened a lot of doors.
0: Yeah, I feel like you're you're this triple threat. You're like a creative manager, business mind, you know, like you're everyone's dream employee. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the relationships? I I mean, you still work with the first designer you ever hired. Um, As we all probably know, creatives come in a variety of different personality types, most of them very strong personalities. Um, Can you talk about your approach to relationships? I mean, dealing with freelancers and in-house designers and what sort of tactics you might employ or how do you approach those those interactions?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I'm definitely, I, I always take the friendly approach. I will say that. I, I don't think of myself as a super intimidating person if you haven't gotten a vibe yet. But um, yeah, I mean, even in like interviewing candidates and working with team members, like I treat others how I would want to be treated. Um, I've We've all had people in the past that we don't love working with. And, you know, I always... Think of those people, and I try to avoid being like those people. I think that, um, you know, just being as respectful and nurturing and helpful to people, um, and really just taking care, and you know, yeah, I think like just like giving a damn about them is like the biggest, the biggest thing that is really, really helpful and helps them grow, helps them feel supported, supported and nurtured in their role. I think that's you know. The creative industry is hard. It's super opinionated. There's there's always going to be a lot of things coming your direction, um, whether it be feedback, opinions, uh, rush deadlines. Like there's so many things coming at you, and so I think just feeling that support is is what I always try to project onto my team.
0: I just really appreciate that. I love all the words that you you know like nurture, support, care. I think those things, uh, at least in my perspective hopefully have begun to be elevated in work relationships and i feel like that's the type of leadership that i always strive to uh both that's it that's what i appreciate and how i appreciate communicating with virtually anybody um in a professional setting so i just really love hearing it from um a triple threat like yourself
2: in this day and age like with us all working from home too like most of my team members i've never met in person like You know, so like to be able to create there you go, like to be able to create an environment where people feel welcomed and comfortable. Like if I was starting a new job in a in an environment like this where I'd never met anyone, like I I always try to think about okay, what can I give to my team that I would want in return? I don't know if that sounds selfish, but like, you know, any any sort of any sort of approach you can give to your team to make them feel comfortable and, and, and welcomed, I think is, is at the end of the day, like what everyone would want.
0: I know that we've all had such sort of eye opening new experiences in the last couple of years of working primarily remote. We're a hundred percent remote still. Um, and yeah, I don't know if there's a timetable. <laughs> at one point there was a timetable in that sort of sliver of hope in the beginning like, of summer that we all had, like, maybe we're done. And then it was like right back in. <laughs> Um, but can you talk about your experience and maybe the unexpected pluses or minuses?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think honestly, I I do really like working from home. Um, I think, you know, you're able to always feel comfortable. You also have like the privacy if you need to have any sort of like serious conversations with your manager or another colleague, like, um, I've always worked in like an open floor office. So you've always been like, well, everyone's going to hear exactly what I'm saying on the phone or like whatever it is, you know? And so I do think that Um, it's really nice to have that balance of being home, um, and feeling, feeling comfortable doing what you need to do in your personal life. Like it's definitely put a, put more, way more. I'm sure everyone feels this way, but it's put a lot more value on like the importance of like that work-life balance. Um, so I personally love it. I, I definitely miss seeing people in person and I, I think one day we'll definitely return to the office. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, the past year for me has been like a really big transition. I went through a company acquisition, so I completely started a new company with working, you know, with a lot of people that I knew from the past, but there was a lot of change. Um, and there was a lot of change in the focus of the type of work that we were creating. Um, for example, I think I mentioned this the other week when we were speaking, but we had this really big production planned um, to shoot a, video for for one of our clients at the color factory in New York City. That's really cool. Very colorful, awesome exhibit that they have. Um, we had everything booked. We had the videographer booked. We had all the equipment rented. We had our client lined up to come. Everything was totally set. Um, I think that she was supposed to be like March 23rd of 2020. And we really had to pivot. Um, and I think that like having that experience of having to completely rethink the project and, and still accomplish the project by this by a certain timeline was was a real test to um, the collaboration at 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 our team, um, and it you know we were able to pull off something awesome. And seeing that um, challenge, I think like I I personally am, I love problem solving, so it was like it was exciting to me, but it was also a little bit scary. Um, and I think this time is just like such a representation of that, like. We, we have to make things work and we always figure out a way. Um, and I think like, you know, working from home, whether it be, um, you know, whatever we're working on, whatever you're working on, like everything has shifted a little bit. So I think it's it's given everyone a little bit of a reset, but I think we all kind of need it.
0: Yeah, oh, I, I definitely believe that. Um, and what a fascinating thing it is to see inside people's homes. Like every day you're seeing inside people's living spaces and it's so like, wow, we're all intimately connected. It's sort of a new level of intimacy that we all have in this sort of digital connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to, you talked a little bit about scaling video and the sort of difficulties and I'm a video guy. So I would love to talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, you know, our in-house team, like I I would say like our bread and butter products are more so like our, our design work, like our interactive work, our static work. So like ebooks, white papers, um, infographics, social assets, some animated work, um, interactive like microsite type stuff. And we've really nailed down how to how to be efficient um, on those types of projects, whether it be price wise with our clients or timeline wise, Um, we're in like a really, really strong place with that. And then there's the other side of our offerings. And that's more of like the video, you know, like live action video. Um, And it's something that we, we fully rely on freelancers for um, working with different video partners, videographers, cinematographers, all different backgrounds. Um, and it's definitely a more challenging type of project to scale given the amount of logistics involved and not having that control of um, having an in-house team. I think it definitely makes it a little bit challenging. And there's, there's as you know, being in the video space, there's a lot of moving parts um, and a lot more planning involved and a little bit less opportunity to like make those quick edits. Like you could just jump into an illustrator file and change a few words or change out a graphic or something. Um, you know, once you shoot something, you shoot something. Of course, there's a lot you can do in post-production, but it's it's a much more challenging type of business to scale without having that full control of, of an in-house team. Um, and I think we've done an incredible job. We do a lot of different video shoots for different clients, um, mostly in like the consumer space. Um, but a little bit of everything. And we have done an awesome job finding really, really talented video partners to work with that, um, you know, are reliable and we kind of just treat them like they're a part of the team and and it works. Um, But I think from like a scalability standpoint of actually like increasing the amount of work that we're producing, um, that's where we see the biggest challenges. How do we, um, how do we grow this, this part of our business out? How do we create more of what, what we what we're you know wanting to do. Um so I think we've we've started exploring a little bit more of just like um like mini videos so like you know 10 to 15 second videos and I think that's where we, we can possibly see some success is focusing on these smaller scale videos that don't necessarily need to be a whole massive production. Maybe we animate everything and um you know do everything so that it's not at all in person and it's a little bit easier to do kind of behind the scenes um, and exploring that and finding some success there, I think could definitely open some opportunities for us. Um, but I've, I've had a lot of challenge scaling out, you know, the, the full live action video side of things. Um, and I think that there's definitely a lot more future in even these like Zoom videos, like there's still really cool things that you can do with them, really creative ways you can kind of merge animation and these, um, Kind of user generated videos, um, so that's kind of another another side of things that could could be helpful in the future to to scale that side of things. more.
0: Yeah, I feel like we've seen a whole uh, new genre of ads and and the use of this sort of like Zoom video chat in a way. You know, like we've all experienced so much of this type of interaction that when we see it represented, we're like, oh yeah, I know that. That's like part of my life now.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. It's- you can like connect to it more. Like there was that, um, it was like a commercial for Apple or what? I forget. Maybe it was for Windows or something. And it was like a commercial with like all those, all these people calling in from their own home. And there's like something so human about it. Like anyone in the world can relate no matter where you were based or, you know, who you are. Um, Something so cool about that.
0: Once it's sort of part of our understanding of how we interact with the world, I feel like it would be so funny to go back five years and show you know, zooms to people and be like, I don't know about that. doesn't look as, uh, I don't know. Like there's something about it that I don't know that it would age backwards, Uh, even though the technology was there and we were all, you know, like we were all capable of doing this. I just feel like it would look so crude five years ago when everything was like 4K and HD, and you know, like shot crisply. Um, Yeah. But now, Now now no, this is is part of our lives. (laughs) We like a low res front on camera (laughs) with like a bunch of tiles. Can you talk about your personal process and how, was there anything in your life like an aha moment or a time where most creatives have that moment where they either follow the yeses and they're like, wow, maybe I'm good enough at this to chase it. Was there a moment in your life where you were like, all right, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to see where this goes.
2: Yeah, so I um, you know, I feel like a lot of people, what you like study in undergrad ends up like not being what you end up pursuing. But I actually studied graphic design in college. And I remember like all my friends from from high school growing up, they were like, what are you going to do with that? Like, you know, <laughs> it was like studying arts and crafts or something. I remember someone literally asked me like, oh, is that like studying arts and crafts?
1: Oh it was just
2: really <laughs> um, but, you know, there's like, there's so much, especially nowadays. There's such a focus on having strong design. I think anyone like who's not even in the design world can understand like or can recognize good design versus not so good design. Um, like any any startup, you know, like it's so important for for the for the branding to be really strong. Otherwise, like what are you? <laughs> um, and so yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like an aha moment, I was always like surrounded by um creativity growing up my parents are both in the creative space so it was always very like welcomed in my in my home um, but yeah I mean ever since I was a little kid I was like I know I mentioned this earlier but I was always like building things making things I remember like creating all these doll houses when I was a little kid out of like um fabric swatches that my parents had in the house with like cardboard boxes I got really creative yes.
0: and uh, <laughs>
2: yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so definitely built some, some serious mansions with my cardboard boxes, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've just always like loved to problem solve and like make beautiful things. And so I think that, you know, design was like sort of a natural next step for me. Um, and yeah, I think that like, you know, I am really fortunate to like do something that I can really relate to and enjoy doing. Um, I think it's sometimes easy to forget, like, how much you enjoy what you're, what you're working on. Um, but yeah, I would say like creativity has always like been in my blood since I was a little kid. So it's, I'm very fortunate to be able to kind of bring that into my everyday career.
0: Did you feel like, uh, chasing it with a formal education or, or becoming a graphic design major, uh, really honed your skill set and allowed you to experiment and develop an aesthetic or was it something that maybe you had like friction with I feel like creatives when they're put in that sort of formal education sometimes they really are like wow this is giving me all the tools I need and sometimes it's like that's where I got my edge or that's where I got my um
2: I definitely have like a personal style like I'm very minimal I like like you can see in my apartment I like like a lot of like black (laughs) and white things like I have a definite style um I like like a modern look and, but, you know, working on the client side, you, I think it's allowed me to look past that because you're working with so many different brand guidelines of all sorts of types of clients and all sorts of branding. So I think that's pushed me a little, little bit away from that very streamlined, um, you know, preference. So I think it's opened my eyes up a little bit more to work on lots of different clients. Like I used to have like an illustration style that I always gravitated towards. And now like I've, I've opened my eyes to a lot more styles from seeing so many different really well-done clients and their brand guidelines and everything. It, it's it's very eye-opening to see what's out there. There's, there's no limits at all.
0: What about outside of work? Is there anything that you're passionate about that maybe helps you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a few years ago, I started getting really into the fitness world. I was like, all right, I got to have a little more structure to my day. Um, I started... Going to a lot of like indoor cycling classes, um, it was just like such a good outlet for me. And I was going to so many fitness studios throughout New York. There's like an endless amount of them, and I was like always criticizing, like I really like this instructor, I don't like this instructor. And I was like so into it. And I was like, i want gonna get certified to teach cycling classes. So I went, got certified, um, started teaching spin classes at a studio near my apartment, and found that it was such a good outlet for myself, for like the people that I was surrounded by, I think it's one of those um, things in your life where it applies to so much. Like I built so much like mental strength through working out. Um, I like this morning I was running and I was like, thinking about something I needed to do at work and I kind of wanted to slow down. when I was running and it was like, what I slow down, like, if I'm <laughs> at real job, you know, and so I think applying that mindset, like in both ways, it sounds a little crazy, but it really works for me, like, to just, you know, really have control over, over something in your life. Um, and I think, you know, build, building that physical and mental strength is so, so important, obviously, for your body, but also like, in the workplace like there are so many times that I think about like wanting to give up on something and I think back to one or the other if I'm at work I think about like the exercise side of things when I'm working out I think back to the workplace um and it really helps me a lot um You know, whatever, whatever gets you through, like whatever those little things are that can can help you power through your day, I think are really valuable.
0: I have such a hard time with working out. I feel like I need a sport to play or a game to play in order to motivate. That's incredible. So you became a spin teacher. And now how often do you teach? Do you teach weekly?
2: So I I stopped teaching cycling because unfortunately, the studio closed down during the pandemic. But I started teaching like outdoor boot camp classes in Long Island City, where I live. Oh, nice. There's something so awesome about that. Also, you have like the skyline of New York City right behind you. So what's more inspiring than that? <laughs> um, and there's something also just really amazing about all being outside and you're in that group environment, kind of like that team setting. And um, yeah, I think like there's just something about like pushing pushing your limits and, you know, in that, that mental strength part of things that just really is so applicable to, um, you know, anyone's career, whether whatever it might be. Um, I I think it's it's so important.
0: Have you ever had your worlds collide like someone that you're working with on a design project uh, shows up in your boot camp or shows up at your spin
2: class? I actually had some um, we used to work with this uh, interactive agency and they they used to whenever they would come to New York they would come to my class. What? That's (laughs)
0: awesome. That's a great endorsement.
2: It is, it's also just a great way to meet people. You know, you meet people of so many different backgrounds by right? like joining a community like a gym or whatever it might be. Um, and so it just opens so many doors to, to learn more about people. I think there's there's definitely been a lot of overlap um, and you know, we're, we're, we're all located in New York, anyone that you're meeting. And so there's lots of different people of different, you know, work types and um, you know, different backgrounds and everything. So it's always nice, but you've got like this one thing to connect over, so always been nice
0: to meet people that way. It's just so impressive. I feel like that
1: should be a... Yeah. I feel like that should be a team bonding experience where you meet up and work out and then implement that teamwork into your work ethic. I don't know. I like that. I grew up running and I'm training for a race. And I will say that carries definitely into the workload. Like you said, if you can get you know power through the project... I can power through this last mile that I'm, you know, running on the road, even though I want to slow down. I'm like, Nope, can't do that.
2: Exactly. Yes. That's it. now we're all going to think about this. And the next time we go out for a run, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> no, going to
0: go out for my first run and this is what I'm
2: going to think about. Let's do it, Nick.
0: <laughs> I'm in.
2: <laughs> I hope you think of this conversation. Yeah. yeah. This, well,
0: it's, it's huge. It's, it's awesome to relate it so, uh, kind of acutely to the workday or the, you know, the way that our psychology often needs a little more motivation or needs a little bit more of like, a, you can do this.
1: All right, everybody, it is time for our next segment, my personal favorite, Today in Brands today oscar meyer they have launched a clothing line called street meat and it is spelled m-e-a-t which i absolutely love and they are joining a number of different companies such as arby's i know a and w they're doing this whole thing on you know streetwear because we all are working from home and who doesn't want to wear some streetwear while you're working behind the computer but they are doing a 13 item collection at tricked out hot dog carts in New York. So you can go check this out <laughs> Los Angeles <laughs> and report back to us, Los Angeles, Atlanta um, via the Wienermobile. And it's going to be a pop-up show that is going to go through the end of October as a, creative director. What is your take on companies within the food industry doing a fun segment like this that's very outside of the box?
2: I love this idea. I think it's brilliant. I think like there's something so cool about brands entering a space that's totally unrelated to what they're actually selling. Um, I think like in the food space, they're already like connecting with people on such a human level. Like they're, you know, they're part of something that people do every day, which is eat. And so why not tap into a relevant space of, you know, what people are wearing? I think that, um, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think like brands nowadays, like as much as you can push it, like the more you'll stand out. So um I'm I'm into it. I'm fully on board. I think like there's a lot of opportunity for them to kind of like play it up more in like maybe like the social space. Like I would if I was working with them I'd recommend they take some sort of creative stance in like, you know, maybe doing some cool like Instagram filters or some sort of game or something that, you know, like you check in when you see an Oscar Mayer, like the, the vehicle that they're driving, like some sort of interactive side of things could be a really fun approach. Um, that's, that's what I'd recommend they, they do.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, um, I just looked at the website right now. It's pretty hipster culture clothing. Like it's, it's a little (laughs) subtle, you know, it's definitely branded with their colors, but
1: yes it's like the it's the updated street wear or athleisure all the sweat because a bunch of sweatsuits came back basically the last two years you know and i feel like they updated them i i actually bought my first sweatsuit uh during the pandemic and loved it but (laughs) i thought this was awesome and kind of hilarious at the same time but i like you said it's they already connect with people on a level of this is something they do daily and I love that they're getting creative with it and I know that they use some local artists to actually help elevate the brand and the designs, which is another fun piece with that. Next up is a name we all know, Coca-Cola. They are shifting their focus from broadcast to experience when it comes to their marketing. And under their new brand platform with a rebranded tagline, Real Magic. Uh, They are trying to introduce a new perspective on their very famous logo that we all know and their iconic Coca-Cola words are now emulating the shape of a hug. So it's actually legitimately a hug. So any posters they're putting out there, any of the commercials, it's a picture of the bottle and then two people hugging. Um, And this In the logo, you can see it's shaped to wrap around the can or bottle to create that visual signature in order to encourage the customers embrace with Coke. So it's just connecting people. And that's kind of the concept that they're going for. It seems like with this new rebrand and the president for Coca-Cola had this to say about it. Through our campaigns, we want to create more real magic individual moments aligning with people's passion points aligned to culture and also aligned to our core key occasion as a business, which is meals and having a break from work, school, and your daily life. So instead of us always being on the go, you get to take a moment and, you know, those iconic Coca-Cola commercials, they're taking a deep breath to just relax. So What experience, Chelsea, do you feel that this rebrand and new tagline is providing for the consumers? And what do you think Coca-Cola wanted the consumer to feel with this new rebrand?
2: Yeah, this is another one that's like totally, you know, human connection is like at the forefront. Like, I think that, you know, this past year and a half in the pandemic, like we've like hugs are such a big thing. You know, it's like everyone missed that human touch. So I think they're definitely playing that up, I would think, unless I'm taking that too literally. But um yeah, I think like they they totally hit a home run with this one. Like they they are tapping into that human humanistic way of connecting with people um through through a some simple thing like a bottle of coke. Um, I think I I always love like a very human forward approach. Um, I think it's a great way to connect with consumers, especially something that like you're eating or drinking like it's 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 so important um to have that human connection so i think it's brilliant to like bring in that visual motif uh, around the bottle like it's 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 totally nailing exactly what they're trying to achieve i think it's really smart
0: they're really tapping into our uh scarcity we don't they yes. know that we're all <laughs> we're all thirsting for hugs nowadays we took them for granted for so long um seriously
1: it's it's a thing there. I've been seeing something going around on a lot of social media about, uh, human connection and just t- physical touch. And the average human on a daily basis needs about eight hugs a day. And I thought that was crazy. Cause now it's like,
0: I know it's like love. glasses of water. <laughs> no one eight has hugs. enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> eight glasses of <laughs> water,
2: eight hugs. <laughs> Yeah, the number eight is very important. I just saw that stat as well about the eight hugs. I was like, oh, wow, that's that's a lot of hugs. But I love that. I love setting that as a goal for yourself.
0: Well, this is awesome. We have one more little segment and these are just sort of open-ended, more philosophical questions. Uh, Take them however you want. Uh, So, Chelsea, uh, is there anything that you've done recently for the very first time?
2: Actually, on the topic of of running <laughs> back to that topic on Sunday, I actually just ran a 10 mile race. Um, it was my first time running a race of that length with like a group of people. Um, I was scheduled to run a half marathon last year that got canceled. So I ran it on my own, but there's something about running with so many people surrounding you and cheering you on. Um, it was really special. So that was, that's the first thing that comes to mind.
0: If you were to bring one thing to show and tell, like if you got invited to some, a uh, young person's classroom to bring something for show and tell, what would you bring?
2: Oh man, this is a hard one. I feel like it was so hard when you were a kid to decide what you wanted to bring to show and tell. Um, I think I would bring, um, I think I would cook something. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like cooking is such a creative way to kind of like express yourself in like the most comforting way possible. Um, So I think I would either cook or bake something. Uh, Yeah, that's that's
0: awesome. Um, Is there anything that if you were to look back on uh, a younger version of yourself, is there any piece of advice or specific um, piece of wisdom that you would want to impart on yourself, uh, knowing what you know now?
2: Yeah, definitely. There's lots of, lots of things going through my mind here. Um, I I love advice. I love giving advice. I love receiving advice. So this is a good one for me. Um, Yeah, I think like specific to the design world, I would say my biggest piece of advice to like a younger designer or younger version of myself would be to not take things so personally. Um, I know I mentioned this earlier, but design is such an opinionated field um, and it's so easy to take things um, and let them destroy you. But if if you can do anything to kind of separate yourself from your work, that would be my biggest piece of advice is to just not take things so personally. As simple as it sounds, it, it goes really far to kind of allow you to see past that feedback, that email that comes in with, you know, what you don't want to hear. I think it really opens a lot of doors to really separate yourself from feeling too attached to the work.
0: Chelsea, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm so much more motivated to go work out or do a run. Yeah, thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for like, making me feel so comfortable. It was great. It was a really great experience. Looking, at, looking forward to hearing the episode.
0: You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast, where we like to say, strong brands live here. Join us as we build the Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love.
1: We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe.